Hi, my beautiful people. This is Spill With Me, Jenny D. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited. I've been wanting to do this for so long. I'm giving you a real big hug right now. I don't know if you can feel it, but I'm giving you this big hug because I feel like everybody needs a hug or a, hey, you're doing great or you look nice or just compliment each other. I mean, see, I felt like I needed to start this because I've been running into so many people that just want to talk about their life experiences, the relationships or like any story they needed to share. This could be something magical or something they wanted to share, but they're afraid of what others would think, me included. Or if you're hurting inside or have a funny story about life lessons you'd like to talk about, I would love for you to reach out. This could be the worst or your best times. Listen, I have some good topics. We're going to have a lot of fun because I believe the best medicine is to talk about it because someone else is dealing with the same shit. Hi, my beautiful people. Another episode of Spill With Me, Jenny D. And this is part two of the Sean Swarner story. Da, 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 da. (laughs) I like to get you that grand entrance, but we left off on the first episode that we did is when Sean reached Mount Everest, and Sean, what did you do? You put that flag up there. Hello? I was just thinking George that. George no, McFly. No, no, I'm over here stretching and I'm thinking, you mentioned beautiful people. It's like, that's a good thing. This is just, you know, an audio podcast where people can't see what I look like right now. Um, <laughs> you look great. The, the, yes, exactly. We mentioned the flag because I, I found a deeper purpose for the summit and a deeper meaning behind reaching the top. So reaching into my chest pocket and pulling out the flag just pulled out so many different emotions. And I felt all those emotions before I even made it to the top because when I was training, you know, I'm a huge believer in vivid visualization. So in my mind, when I made it to the top, it was almost like deja vu. It was really weird. What do you mean by that? Well, because, you know, lots of research, and I, I utilized it going through my cancers. I utilized it going through what we'll talk about next, I'm assuming. But the mind doesn't know the difference between vivid visualization and reality. So there's this hot buzzword, which I'm, I'm not too fond of, but people say, you know, I manifested this. You know, Initially, that, that got a bad rap because it came out with the book, The Secret. People think, oh, if I sit in the corner and wish and wish and wish things are going to come true and I'm going to magically have six numbers that give me a billion dollars. It, it I wish. <laughs> so manifestation, actually, and again, like I said, I'm not a big fan of that word. But it's a vivid visualization where you create the reality in your mind first. You see it in your mind first, and then you do it. So basically, your reality is what you want it to be. Right. So going up Everest every night, I would picture myself taking the last few steps to the summit. I would smell the ozone. I would hear the styrofoam crunching of my feet on the snow. I would feel the radiation from the sun beating on my face, you know, all the senses. But to connect it to, to my mind, that emotion, the emotion, the emotional aspect of it makes it real. So that's the disconnect most people have. And I felt everything that I knew it was going to be like when I got up there. So in my mind, I had seen this picture and I've experienced the summit of Everest hundreds of times before I even got up there because that's what my mind was, was picturing every single night I went to bed and three or four times a day before I left. 
So when I got up there, it was almost like deja vu because in my mind, I had been to the summit hundreds of times before. Now, did it look like what you thought it would look like? It did, I, because I, I had seen so many pictures. I had seen so many um, videos. I had done my due diligence and, and done all the research possible, asked people questions of what does it look like. But the summit also changes depending on the snow, this, the snow season that year. Just like, you know, ski conditions change on the mountain when you get better snow than last year. Right. That's amazing. So, you know, I mean, I just, just doing that to me is just unbelievable. But we got to tell these listeners, Sean, you got a lot more to tell. <laughs> now, if, just to refresh your memory, if maybe you didn't listen to part one, uh, Sean Swarner is a two-time or three-time cancer survivor. Well, I don't think we mentioned it before, but I'm a two-time terminal cancer survivor. And last year, year and a half ago, I did have another scare. I, I don't think we mentioned that. No, I'm sorry. Um, my, my wife took me to the dermatologist. She pulled my arm, you know, pulled me by the leg. He's like, you're going to the damn dermatologist. We're going to get this checked out. <laughs> Kicking and so, screaming. <laughs> well, they were looking at some spots on my back, and they think it was from a long-term, from the radiation therapy that I had when I was little. So the doctor went in there and made a, an incision, I don't know, three, four inches, cut out some things in my back, got all the margins, everything's fine. It came back that it was cancerous, but everything was, was fine. So I'm a three-time cancer survivor oh now, but the, first, the that last, most most recent one, in my mind, it really wasn't that big of a deal. I've been poked and prodded and cut up so many times. I'm like a human pincushion. It doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't faze you. Look at you. You're like, anybody else would have been like, oh my gosh. I... So it was like melanoma or was it a different kind of cancer? It, it was a type of melanoma, yeah. Yes. Okay. So they, they caught it early and, and the reason they found it was because I was scratching my back and all of a sudden I started bleeding. It's like, wait a minute, that's not right. And it looked a little different than the rest of my skin and it's always been there, but it was just growing a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And finally, Julissa, my wife, it's like, we're, we're taking it in. Yes. Like, okay, and I'm, I'm gone. Good for her, you know. I mean, when you see something that doesn't, and that's the thing, well, we'll get, that's a whole nother story, but, you know, about moles and stuff like that on your back, but... You know, I just, you know, just to give you a refresher, my beautiful listeners, is that he has accomplished more than what we talked about in part one. You're going to have to listen to part one. But, Sean, tell us about some other things that you have accomplished with, you know, having, being diagnosed, doing uh, radiation, right? No, I'm not, I'm not in treatment, but I am going to be for the rest of my life. I guess in perpetual remission because no one's ever had Hodgkin's and Askins before. I'm the only person in history to ever had those two. Right. And they just don't know what's going to happen. I go in once a year for my blood work and my checkup. And I went in recently. Everything's in the clear. My vitamin D is a little bit low, but that's everything else is fine. So I went to Mexico, spent some time in the sun, and uh, I'm heading back to Puerto Rico where my wife's from. going to spend some more time in the sun, get some more vitamin D, and nice. boom, there we go. I can see your face looks a little red. <laughs> you take the floor, Sean. You tell us about the other things. I know we were talking off air about uh, what did you do in Hawaii and some of the books you've written. So let's, you go ahead, honey, and start telling us a little bit more of what you've accomplished. Well, Everest was the first mountain I climbed. Not, not, let, me, let me back up. It was the first big mountain I climbed. You know, not the first mountain. I trained. I, I led up to. Right. <laughs> I mean, okay, yes. Then after that, I climbed the highest mountain on every continent, called the Seven Summits. 
Then in the interim, I did the World Championship Ironman Triathlon in Hawaii, which is a lot of people really don't know what that is. It's, yeah, what is that? So a triathlon is a swim, bike, run. This was uh, basically like a two and a half mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then you finish with a marathon. Oh my gosh. You know, can I just go to Hawaii and watch you do all this? Because I'm not doing that. <laughs> that was interesting. I, I loved it. In fact, the um, because I live in Colorado, the, the hills on the bike didn't, didn't bother me at all. It was the heat. You know, I, I couldn't train for the heat. So I went through 11 gallons of fluid, and I peed twice. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> I sweat everything else. I, I sweat out. Wow. It just came. It just came out of my pores. Not to get too too into too many details. <laughs> that was it. I, 11 gallons. I went to the bathroom twice. It just doesn't make sense. But I, I loved it. I, I loved every minute of it. Moving on from the Seven Summits, I ended up skiing to the South Pole and exploring Antarctica and then making it to the North Pole, uh, which is unique in the way that um, Antarctica, many people don't might not know this, Antarctica is a continent and you have ice on the, on top of the continent. So when you, when you make it to the South Pole, you're standing on about a mile and a half, two miles of ice. That's oh. how thick it is. And at the North Pole, it's almost like if you look at the world as a giant glass of ice water, you know, the ice is floating on top of the water. That's the polar, that's the northern polar ice cap floating on all the water. Okay. And because there are so many currents flowing underneath in the ocean, the ice is constantly moving. So it cracks open and there are these what we call open leads where you can look right down and see the water. Right, and it's so deep and so dark and so cold. It looks like you're you're stepping over oil. You know, the water is is, is so cold and, and dark. Oh my gosh! Um, but because of the current, um, it's it's interesting because we skied north, like basically cross country skiing, pulling a giant sled behind us. Skied north about say one day it was 10 miles and because the currents were pushing us back while we were sleeping in our tents we floated five miles backwards are you kidding me <laughs> so then we woke up checked our gps we're like man we gotta make up five miles before we even get to where we were when we went to sleep now who were you with um a guy two people from well three people from england two videographers from the united states and myself so three, six, yeah, six of us. And we actually had one of them needed to be evacuated because of frostbite. And if anyone's interested in seeing that uh, expedition, there's an, a film on Amazon, an Emmy-nominated film on Amazon called True North, the Sean Swanner story. I love it. I love it. Now, how long is that? I think the, the film's less than an hour. You know, it's, it's a great family flick. Uh, it's, it's a great film for anybody who needs a little hope, inspiration, or they love adventure. But make sure you have a box of tissues because my mom still makes me cry, and I've probably seen it a hundred times. Aww. So what happened? Uh, Did you finally uh, <laughs> make it there? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the movie The Titanic. You know I make it. You know the boat sinks. Um, <laughs> but I, I survived. We were tracked by a couple polar bears. <gasps> that wasn't too exciting. What about uh, at the Abominable Snowman? Was he there? No, we didn't see the Abominable Snowman. <laughs> and the, the Santa Claus had his cloaking device on, so we missed him too. He's, he's sneaky. He is. 
This is so childish of me. I'm thinking the, um, of the cartoon, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and you're on this ice and you're in the middle of the water, how, like, Rudolph and I think the dentist, I can't think of his name, <laughs> and the guy that has the dog sled. You know what I'm talking about. Sean, you never watched Rudolph? I know Rudolph, yeah, but the dentist. Oh, wait, you mean, like, the, um, like, it's almost um, like an animated claymation. Yes, thing. yes, yes. Um, yeah, he's like a misfit. About, yeah. He's a misfit. <laughs> They're going to Misfit Island or something, and then the abominable snowman comes up. I'm picturing you on this ice, piece of ice, just floating along. Could be. I mean, we were on some, and at, at, at night, we were laying there. Um, you could hear the ice cracking underneath us. Gosh. You weren't worried? No, I mean, I was scared to death the night we went to bed when we, we found out that uh, polar bears were tracking us. We actually went to sleep with a, uh, a rifle between the two of us. Oh it was the first God. expedition I've ever been on where we took a firearm. So they're dangerous, polar bears. Like they're... Oh, yeah. they will come eat you, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, they will, they will come and, and, well, I'm assuming that a polar bear would love meat and, you know, we're a lot easier to catch than seals. Yeah, oh, my gosh. That, that's scary. So when you... um. When you woke up, were you just, like, looking around for, like, could you see their prints or anything? Like, how did you know? We did. We saw their, We saw some uh, some Arctic fox prints. And then we also radioed back to the folks who were in charge of uh, the temporary ice station with the helicopter, the rescue, and all that stuff. And while they were patrolling, you know, dropping other people off, doing certain things, whatever they're doing, like research up at the North Pole, they saw that there were some uh, two polar bears about five kilometers behind us. Wow. Which is like 3.1 miles. And they're pretty big, huh? What would you say? They're, how much uh, do they weigh? A polar bear, if it stands up on its hind legs, is probably 12, 15 feet high. (laughs) They just look friendlier than like a grizzly bear. So, good. I'm glad you didn't encounter any polar bears. No, we're, yeah, thankfully we didn't. Yeah, we're, we're very, very lucky. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a lot like reality, like real life. You know, fear and anxiety, it's, it's in the mind. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I could be, in the same thing going through my cancers, I could focus on not dying as opposed to wanting to live. Or I could focus on, you know, not failing to reach the North Pole, or I could focus on reaching the North Pole. Your brain doesn't hear that no part, you know, don't do this, don't do it. It's just, it's the way the brain's wired. So if I went to bed that night being terrified, I wouldn't get any sleep when that's something that is definitely needed on a 10-day expedition in 80 below temperatures where you're pulling a sled that weighs 100 pounds or 200 pounds behind you. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. You need your sleep and you need your energy. I mean, how the, how would you even... You're right, though. The mind plays not tricks on you, but it makes you feel that this, you know, what you're doing is causing a little stress on you, but you just got to not think about it. How did you do that? There, there are two words that I would say 99.9% of the population use right before anxiety pops in, right before they start to feel anxious, right right before they start feeling nervous. And if you can control these two words, then you can control your anxiety. Because if, if, you're, if you're anxious, you're thinking about the future. If you're depressed, you're thinking about the past. 
And if you're in the moment, then you're not questioning the, the, what, what's ahead of you or what's behind you. So with anxious thoughts, if you can catch it right when you hear yourself, ask yourself, what if you can stop it? Yeah. Because that's what happens in your mind. Like, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if that? Well, what if it doesn't? Right. You just, you just how, like, how many times have you thought to yourself or been worried uh, for something that never even happened, never came to fruition? Yes. I know there are some people I know that they are always like, well, you never know. This could happen in six months. And, this, and I, I try to live day by day, and I try to just, you know, get through it. I don't want to think about what could happen in the future. Everybody's different, though. Everybody's different. Everybody's going to, the way they feel and the way they, you know, pursue. But, yeah, be anxiety and, you know, but doing something that you have your mindset to. This is a goal for you. This is your passion. This is something that you needed to do for you. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. But, if, but if, if people are constantly wondering the negative, it's, it's a negative cycle where they wonder, well, what if this happens next week? What if this happens later today? What if this ha- What if I get up on stage and I fail because I'm a keynote speaker? If I constantly barrage and bombard my mind with negative thoughts, it's just like, it's just like filling a, um, a glass full of dirty water. So your mind is, is like a glass of water. If, if you have, let's say, dirty, dirty water represents negative thoughts. Clean water represents positive thoughts. If you have a glass of dirty water, you turn on the faucet and constantly flush it with clean water, what's going to happen? It's going to go Exactly. The same thing with your mind. So if you're, if you're waking up and you're constantly watching the news, if you're constantly on social media, comparing yourself to others, getting bombarded by this negativity, your brain is being programmed for you subconsciously as opposed to you programming it yourself. I like that, Sean. That's really it, deep. I love it. It, 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 is, it is so true. It, it, you know, and, and it boggles my mind how more people are, are more concerned about what others think of them than what they think of themselves because they are doing what they think others want for them as opposed to focusing on their own personal core values. So once you start utilizing your personal core values and moving forward based on what you, what means most to you, you're not going to have these anxious thoughts. You're not going to have these, these uh, depressed uh, intentions. And you're constantly building yourself up as opposed to build, bringing yourself down. So there's, there's a gremlin that's in your mind. You know, there are four things that really hold us back, and I call them the gales, the gremlins, the associations, the interpretations, and the limiting beliefs. The gremlin is the one that's mostly associated with who we are emotionally. And it's that voice that's sitting on the side of your shoulder going, you're too old. You're not smart enough for this. You don't have the experience. Yeah. You know, but it, 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 I'm, I'm sure at some point it was there to help you. Like when your parents, for example, they mean well, but how many times does a parent tell their child, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that? Right. And it's because obviously you're, you're doing what's best for your child or what you think is best for your child. But day after day, year after year, Decade after decade, hearing no, 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 don't, 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 you know, it builds up. As opposed to saying, no, don't do that, you know, you talk to your gremlin, mine's Cooper, I named him, name your gremlin, mine's Cooper. I'm like, hey, Cooper, (laughs) listen, buddy, you know, I know you were here to help me at one point in my life, but why, we both want what's best for me, why don't we work together? Right. And that really helped. You know, then taking the next step forward, Cooper's like, all right, dude, let's do this. 
I love it. I mean, no wonder you're a keynote speaker. I mean, just listening to you right there, you just really resonated to me and about my thoughts. Um, and I'm sure the listeners listening to you are feeling the same way. I mean, this is, we make it like rocket science, you know. It's really not that hard, but it's so hard to get those bad thoughts out of your head when you struggle with that every day. It, it is, but humans are, human beings are creatures of habit, right? Right. We wake up, we do things day in, day out. A lot of people think, oh, well, if I change this, I do this. I start doing that, I do that. You get, you get overwhelmed. You're like, well, hell, I can't do all that all in, in one day. You're going to forget it, and you go back to who you were. Pick one thing. You know, think about this. Anybody who's listening, you, know, you too, pick one negative habit you have, the one that has the most impact on your life. It could be drinking alcohol for some people. It could be watching the news. It could be mindlessly scrolling on Instagram. Whatever consumes your time the most in a negative way, figure out what that is and replace it with something else. The instant you notice yourself scrolling, we'll just use this one, scrolling on Instagram, like, 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 unlike, pass, scroll, scroll, pick up a book. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I am... I am so ready to read, and I keep saying every night when I lay in bed, and I'm doing the same thing, you know, with my profession. I am on social media more than I've ever been. Yeah, absolutely. But and I, I tell my wife this and myself all, all the time. Create more than you consume. Mm, wait, i got to write that down. Because once you start creating, you now help other people. So if you're doing it again back to personal core values if you're doing it for the right reason and you're creating things for others to consume you're doing it for the right purpose right and with purpose you find that passion so once you have that passion you're going to want to read you're going to want to do things as opposed to waking up in the morning thinking oh man i have to do this i need to do that i should do this you wake up and you're like oh i want to do this because it's in in line with my personal core values right it's so true. I mean, we could talk about this the whole podcast. You know, it's just, yeah. And I, you know, if you ever come to Pittsburgh again, I would love for you to be a keynote speaker and try to get some people together because I really feel like you have a lot to say and what you've been through and in your life that, you know, you're able to say, hey, it's not that bad. You can do it. Just put your mind to it. You can do whatever you want to achieve in life. You know, like, yeah. you, like you said, we got that little that devil on one side, you know, and the angel on the other side, and the devil saying to us, "You can't do it." Like you said, you're too old. You know, you're this. You're not. You're not that. You know, you're not good enough. And then you got that angel on the other side saying, "You can do it. Just go for it. You only live once. What's holding you back?" Right? Exactly. So people, so people laugh at you. Who cares? I know. Please. Laugh at yourself. <laughs> I know. The things I put out there sometimes with my podcast, you know, my videos or whatever, I just want to be me. I don't, you know, and if they don't like who, you know, I am, then I'm sorry, but this, you don't have to watch, but I just want to be true to me and true to people to see that I am not filtered or I'm not acting like I don't act every day. Does that make sense? Exactly. Absolutely, you know, and, and you can see through people who are trying to pretend who you are in one situation should be who you are in every situation. Right, just That's be true. you. 
That's so true. So let's now let's get into your books, Mr. Arthur. Okay, let's see. Sean is a cancer survivor, a climber, a speaker, and an author. Did I miss something? <laughs> I, I think you got it. Uh, author of a couple books, Emmy-nominated film subject, oh. keynote speaker, philanthropist, yes. um, world record holder, Oh wait. Two-time, and the most important, two-time cancer survivor. Oh my gosh. Superman. <laughs> so tell us about these books. Well, the first one was, was by published by Simon & Schuster, and it's called Keep Climbing, uh, How I Beat Cancer, Reach the Top of the World. I don't know if that's even a publication anymore. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. Okay. But the most recent one is called Being Unstoppable, Conquering Your Everest. And as opposed to just focusing on you know, the accomplishment of, of Everest. Uh, like the first book, this one covers a story, but within the story, it's Im- it has embedded messaging. And it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. So it's like 95% adventure, cool stuff, like fun and teary, teary-eyed stuff. Um, but at the end, there's 5% where it actually says, it's, it's kind of like, those yellow books like Cobalt um, for Dummies or This for Dummies, whatever, yeah. like those dummy books. Right. <laughs> At the end, it's like, hey, here's what Sean did and how you can do it too. Like how can you, you can utilize what he learned as well. And it brings out in those, those little stories, the fun stories, the messaging points and the directions to help you do it. Oh, that's wonderful. So it's almost yeah. like, a, um, like you're giving... Uh, kind of like an educational book like you're telling your story but hey if you want to do this this is how you do it yeah you know when we get off here send me your um text me your uh, your address i'll, I'll get, send you a ma- uh, book in the mail today oh i would love that i would love that and you better get on me about every day saying did you read it are you reading a book are you reading your book because i do i mean i don't i don't you know get that time to just dedicate to myself and i need that for my well-being but you know, getting back to your book, so what made you want to write these books? Well, the first one, I just I just wanted people to, to really believe in themselves, you know, hear my story and, and have them think that they can do amazing things as well, which everybody can. Right. You know, and the second one is, is part of a seventh series I'm working on uh, called The Seven Summits to Success. So, okay. And, yeah, and on the... On each one of the mountains, I something happened to make me reflect back to an earlier period of my life where I used what I learned from going through my cancers to help me on the mountains and continue forward with that resilience and persistence. Right. And the second one is right now it's entitled Kilimanjaro into the self. So that one's done. It's not printed yet. The third one is Elbrus, which is the highest mountain in Europe. And I haven't come up with a title for that one. Um, but it's finding a deeper purpose. Right. Finding a deeper purpose. I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's all correlating to helping other people because I think once, once you find, I think the, the, the best, the greatest currency in the world is time. And if you can give your time to someone else mm-hmm. and change their life, 
then you, you've done something tremendous. And I can't possibly reach as many people as, as, I, as I want. You know, I've, I've given keynote presentations that probably reached millions and millions of people right. through the media, through a lot of other things. But this book is, a, these books are ways to really reach more and influence them on a way that they want to be influenced. Not what I want for them, but to help them focus on what they want from life. Right. And Sean, I agree. When you write a book or if you, when you're keynote speaking to, to an audience, they leave there inspired and they rem- remember most of what you said. But sometimes you go, oh, man, what did he say again about blah, 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 blah. But with your book, they can go back and reference and read it again or see what, the, you know, if they need that inspiration, they can go back and read it. Absolutely, absolutely, and in the books, I've, I've also I've, I've also put something else together because after every keynote presentation, there'd be a long queue of, of people to, to talk to me, share their stories, which I, I love. I love hearing other people's stories. You know, their successes, their um, the way they've overcome challenges, and especially you know, everyone has someone they know who's been touched by cancer. You know, it, it seems like it's, it's a global pandemic, right? It's a global epidemic. Yes, and a handful of people would take the, the conversation a little bit further by asking, but how did you do it? And I started thinking that there had to be some linear path I took, even if I didn't know it at the time, to crawl eight feet from the hospital bed to the bathroom, which is my first goal, and then climbing to the top of the world, and then, and then some. And then I looked at every year I take a group up Kilimanjaro, uh, and the average success rate on the mountain is 48%. I can't even imagine spending that much time and money and effort and not making it to the top. So oh. 8% succeed. Wow. The groups I've taken out there over the past 23 trips, this July will be my 24th trip up the highest mountain in Africa, we're at 99% success rate. That's wonderful. And why do you think right? that is, though, Sean? That's exactly what I was getting into because we do things differently. We tell people it's not about the summit. It's not about the new car. It's not about the new house. It's not about the the raise. It's what that stuff represents, and it's what that stuff means to you. Right. So if you're going for the summit and you're having a great time doing it, then you're going to make it. If you're going after a goal, if if you have this this higher higher purpose, this this deeper passion, you're going to make it. Right. Okay? It's in in once you tap into going back to personal core values, great. So I, I created what's called the Big Hill Challenge, and it'll be ready and online next week. And it's basically to empower, awaken, and elevate the potential of the human spirit to a more purposeful, meaningful life. What was that called what, again, Sean? Big Hill? The Big, Big Hill Challenge. Yeah. And it'll be thebighillchallenge.com. Um, but it's, it's to help other people one step, one decision at a time to basically awaken passion and purpose and, and guiding people to their highest potential. I love it. Their passion and purpose. I love it. Yeah, I think they're right. But you know what? You're right. If you want to achieve something, and whatever it is, you know, we all have like a bucket list of what, things that we would love to do. I mean, mine are goofy things. Like, I want to be at the Oscars. <laughs> I'm going to be, I'll be a seat warmer. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I have all these, these 
inspiring things that I would love to do. And like you said, I can sit back and dream and think about it. And, oh, I want to do it. I want to do it. But you, when you're doing it and when you're in the moment, like you were saying, Sean, you have to enjoy a little bit of it. Because if it's torture and you are unhappy and so miserable, the whole experience doesn't come to life. Absolutely. You know, and, and going back to Kilimanjaro, we are the only group on the mountain singing, dancing, having a great time, telling jokes. Everybody else on every other group is looking up at the mountain, their feet, they, then they put their head back down, staring at their feet, and their, their main focus is making it to the top. We're enjoying day by day, and the summit becomes a byproduct of having fun. Yes, I love that. Okay, we're going to go. What's the smallest mountain? I'll go with you. <laughs> There's a giant sand dune in Florida. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> and then I can jump in the water. <laughs> I mean, just like listening to all the the quotes that you say, I mean, it's just inspiring just listening to you. I'm so excited. I mean, these your books and everything that you've accomplished, Sean. I mean, is there anything else you would like to tell the listeners that we haven't touched on today? You know, I think the biggest piece of advice or, or I guess, quote that I would say is whether you think you can or you cannot, you're right. Say it again. Whether you think you can or you cannot, you're right. So whether you're, when you're looking at something that you're trying to accomplish, whether you think you can do it or you can't do it, you're absolutely right. Okay. That's pretty deep. <laughs> wow. Okay, what does that mean, Sean? <laughs> it means whether you think you can do something, you're right. If you don't think you can do something, you're also right. Okay, I get it. I really get it. I like that. I love that quote. I mean, you're holding yourself back. Yes, you're holding yourself back. Nobody else can control, like you said, your mind or your will to do something. You just have to have that in your gut, that feeling and that passion. And, you know, accomplishing something like that is, you know, there's little things that, you know, in my life that I've accomplished that I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Um, but the things that you've accomplished are such you know, so much bigger, a bigger picture than, do you think it matters? No, I was, I was going to say, for some person, climbing Everest might be literally getting to the top of the highest mountain in the world. For other people, their Everest might be walking around the block. It, it doesn't matter. Celebrate those little successes because those little successes are what's going to get you to the top. You know, and, and celebrate whatever means most to you. So not everyone's going to climb Everest, but we all have an Everest to climb. And if we focus on what means most to us, and if we celebrate those those small wins, you're going to continue that momentum pushing you forward. Absolutely. You're so right, Sean. I appreciate, like, everything you said. And I feel, I walk away from our podcast, because we had the part one, this is part two, and I have that feeling of like, you know, I'm inspired today. I'm inspired today, you know, talking to Sean and learning so much about you because we would have never met 
again. We were we went to college together, Westminster. <laughs> but we would have never met and talked if we wouldn't have connected on social media. Because I saw your stuff first. And I was like, whoa, whoa, who, wait. He goes to Westminster and look at this, just look at his, I w- I'd say resume, but that's not really resume. But just seeing your achievements, I thought, I need to talk to him. I need him to talk to the listeners and tell them, and everything that you have said, you've exceeded my expectations. Now, imagine talking to yourself that way every day. Imagine getting a, a, a daily jolt of inspiration every, every morning you wake up. So instead of turning on the news, you grab a journal and write down an affirmation. Yes, absolutely. You know, it, you start you start your day off within the first 15 minutes you can choose how you want your day to go that's true so it's not it's not the podcast it's not me it's how you talk to yourself and what you allow into your brain right yourself i know like look at me this morning i was telling sean i'm like i'm having a bad day okay first of all the day's not even nearly over (laughs) it's only the morning and it was just like really I don't want to say stupid things, but if I think about it now, talking to you in hindsight, I'm like, oh, come on, Jen. That is not even near a bad day. Well, I mean, some people have bad days, and for some people, it's just an opportunity to realize that maybe they should pick up a new pair of shoes. (laughs) I'm sorry. Uh, the listeners were like, what is he talking about? Yeah, I couldn't get my boots on today, people. Like, hey, I know. It's small. <laughs> I know. Maybe I should, like, get a sponsor from some shoe company so I can have my own shoes. <laughs> you get what you pay for, Sean. You get what you pay for. There you go. And if you found them on Wish, then you might want to return them. <laughs> I know. Oh, Sean, I have such a pleasure, and we got to keep in touch. And I feel like you have motivated me, and with, you know, I, I know you're so busy these next couple months, but I really would love to come to one of your, where your keynote speaking or anything like that, or even if um, I can even put it out for the listeners, if there's something you're doing in the future, I would love it. May 25th, Conneaut Lake. That's right. What day? What day of the week is that? That is a Thursday. Okay. Thursday. And what time? Great question. And as soon as I know, I'll let you know. Okay. Thank you, Sean. I so appreciate your time. I know you're so busy. You look like you got some vitamin D. I'm happy for you. <laughs> And I, I just need to get some sleep and stop burning yes. the candle from both ends now. Right, right. You got to, hey, you're preaching to me and to our listeners. Take time for you. Do what you. You need to take time for you too. Listen to your yeah. body, right? Yeah, uh, it's it's like I'm I'm pouring out of my pitcher and filling up other people's cups, and I'm I'm out of water. I need to go refill. Absolutely, I love your analogies. <laughs> well, uh, this was—I so appreciate you being on Spill with Me, Jenny D. Well, it's it's an honor. Thank you. Appreciate it. I love it. I love your story, and we're we're not we're going to be doing another podcast in the near future because I know there's going to be other things that Sean's going to be doing that I'm like, whoa, whoa let's catch up. It's Sean Swarner's story again. <laughs> we, we should do a a quick interview.
interview at 19,342 feet at the top of Kilimanjaro in July. I'll take the microphone, or I'll give you the microphone, and I'll stay at the bottom. My problem is, how am I getting down from the mountain? The, the quickest way is you just you tuck and roll. Oh, my gosh, Sean. You are so funny. He has this, like, serious face, listeners. And I'm like, really? You rolled down this hill? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I'm gullible, Sean. Well, I've, I've taken people from 13 to 70 years up the mountain. Wow. It's, it's a hike. There's nothing technical about it. And if you think you can do it, you can do it. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for inspiring me and inspiring the listeners. I'm sure they have enjoyed hearing about your story. It's amazing. So keep climbing, Sean. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for joining me with Spill With Me, Jenny D. You can be anonymous, planning on having guest speakers, or anyone who wants to share their life experiences on the topic we covered that week. I'm going to post all that on my Facebook and website so you will see what I'll be talking about that week. So give me a call. I can pre-record and put you on my my episode that day. I stress this. I personally feel to heal yourself is to talk about it. And if we can help each other instead of keeping it bottled up and just release it, I think that it's going to help all of us. And let's have a lot of fun. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. This is still with me, Jenny D.